Hello, little maesters. Welcome to Sports, the podcast that ends with a question mark, but starts with a quick, well, it's, I mean, it usually starts with a question, but it's Thursday, or you're probably hearing this on Friday because it's late on Thursday, uh, but I have a guest. It's Thursday. We're back to Thursday guests, and today's guest is my dear friend, Jason Concepcion. Hi, Jason. Hi. What a delight to see you through a screen during this time, and what a delight to be with you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy. I know you're super busy, so I'm genuinely honored that you showed up for this because oh, while most of us are dealing with our lives slowing down, it appears that your life has uh, picked back up. Uh, yes, I'm extremely busy. We're, uh, we've just launched a podcast called Take Line. It's myself and two-time WNBA champion Atlanta Dream co-owner Renee Montgomery every Tuesday in your ears. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll be talking about sports and all the intersectional conversations that come along with sports conversations. And then my uh, video show, All Caps NBA, which is a humorous look at NBA discourse through the lens of the internet every Friday on our YouTube channel. That's YouTube, uh, I think it's slash take line or something like that, where you can also get, uh, God, I should know that, it's so terrible, where you can also get uh, exclusive clips uh, from our podcast, Take Line, and all the episodes of All Caps NBA, which drops every Friday. And people may know you from, you know, the Emmy that you won for NBA Desktop. Um, That's correct. Or from your Twitter account, at Network, which is... That's um, correct. I remember when we first met, it was, I believe, at Sloan. <laughs> it was either like first That's or correct. second time we met. And yeah. uh, and I had seen your name on the sheet, and I was just like, I don't know who that is. And, I, and then I realized, <laughs> and I put it together. I'm like, oh, I'm the idiot. I know exactly who that is. You just don't know him as that. Did that happen to you a lot? It did. It used to happen quite a bit where I'd have to be like, oh, that's my real name or where people would call me by my Twitter handle like in real life, which I thought was weird. Um, you know, it's just it, that was such a, a wonderful a weekend and uh, I enjoyed meeting you so much just because, you know, it's like we're two people who came up through the Internet. Yeah. What a weird thing. A super weird thing. And that has been kind of returned to. I don't know. I found when this happened over the last year. That at first I was like, well, I'm kind of equipped to deal with this. I yeah. thought it would be easy because I'm like, this is what I used to do. Um, <laughs> right. But then I was like, I didn't realize I hadn't done it for so long that I'm like, I'm getting outpaced by the younger kids. <laughs> but I'm looking at you right now. You've got an amazing setup with like a legitimate. You look like a YouTuber. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I got the LCD lights. They're $14.99 on Amazon. They're great. They're fun to fun to set up. Uh, I got the good camera. I've got all my, I've got my whole streaming setup ready to go. I feel like I'm at the control uh, center of like a spaceship <laughs> and I'm ready to go. It's, listen, this has been a, tr- a truly terrible and anxiety inducing time, but I will say like rolling out of my bedroom to the room next to my bedroom <laughs> to like do podcasts is a thing that I like. It has been s- extremely easy. In, yeah. in that sense, it's been a lot easier. There's like there's drawbacks, but there's a I can definitely relate to the I had that feeling today because I went to L.A. for a week to do a mm-hmm. work thing. And it was the first time I've left my house. I just got back. It was the first time I left in a year. And wow. it was I had all this work to do and I had to do a couple podcasts from out there. And I was like, man, I miss doing it at my house, which is like, no, you're supposed to miss doing it at the office. But I genuinely, I've liked being able to be like, oh, I'll go to my bedroom and have like a conversation with my pals over Zoom. I miss being outside, but I, di- I think I didn't realize how much I've adjusted to doing work from my house. How good are you right now with like interacting with people in person? Like so I'm, it's awkward at first, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a, I went out for a shoot on a show that I got very last minute that I didn't know anybody at. And so I was like, I'm going to go from seeing one other person this whole pandemic, my boyfriend who essentially moved in with me, to seeing all of, like, spending a week with a bunch of people I've never met before. Wow. Uh, It was stressful. And I've been trying to um, let people who listen to this podcast know that, like, if you're having any level of anxiety about going back out into the world, you're not alone. Like, I know that it might feel weird because we're all, we've all been begging to go back out into the world for a year that now we're about to and everyone's like, well, hold on a second, I'm scared. But it's totally, totally normal to have both of those feelings in your brain. And as somebody who just went and kind of did it, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, it is absolutely normal. I think it's absolutely vital that you note that. 
Um, you know, like I was at my the gate of my apartment complex the other day, and like one of my neighbors was like coming up behind me, and I was said hi but then i was also like oh my god how close is he to me like you know you have all those like thoughts of is he masked okay yes and like what now what happens like uh, it's just like there's a lot of uh clashing instincts and it's just been so isolating to deal with everyone through screens and then when you see people in person to have like that pang of like anxiety so it is absolutely normal for anybody who's dealing with weird feelings during this time because man it is it is a mess i guess the one thing that uh, people can hold on to is that be assured that everyone is feeling yes the same everyone it was a a huge relief to me when i just said it out loud like i was with hair and makeup this week and i said something like look it's been a really tough year um and my social skills are are coming back but they're not here yet and to have that person like put their hand on my shoulder and be like yes thank you for saying it because i didn't want you to think i was awkward it's like we are all feeling very strange because you just get used to things it's human nature to like adapt and adjust to the way things are and the way things have been the last year are not the way things have ever been and so we're ever all trying been. to figure it out it legitimately no one like very few people alive have dealt with this uh you know like the i saw a tweet the other day that was something like you know i i realize now now why i haven't read any stories or seen any movies set during the 1918 flu pandemic because like i never want to do this again yeah. you know like all the people who tell stories that are living right now everyone would just like to move past this like do not take me to anything that is said in this time do i don't want to watch a show that is dealing with these issues i just want to like move on when we're past this let's get out of here i just can't wait to be past it i think we all thought it was going to happen so much quicker and yet here we still and yet here we still are what talk a little bit about to do the full sports journalist talk about yeah. uh, talk a little bit about what the last year was like for you because <laughs> and get into as much detail as you want to. I'm not looking for sure. Gossip. I just mean like well, you can ha- get that you, you can get that offline. We can do we can do that as much as you want on our text and I will on take our text it thread. offline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but online, like we you got a new job that in itself yes. is is crazy. But also like. Yeah. The, the pandemic, I think we all thought was going to be this short period of time that could be defined mm-hmm. by one place we were at in our life. And I think what yeah. most people have found was that they had phases. So it was like phase one of the pandemic. You were watching CNN every day and wondering what right. it was going to be. And then you reached the point where you realized that the thing wasn't going to end anytime soon. And so it's just like, what sort of lessons did you learn or what did you find out about yourself or what was the struggle Keeping in mind, we all know everyone could have had it worse. Yeah. I don't want you to feel yeah. like you can't share the pro- like the problems that you have had because I've oh. had a, a million and it's been very helpful to me to talk about that with my audience and my friends. Oh, I mean, it was, you know, frankly, it was like extremely scary. I'm a person that uh, has always gravitated towards these like end of the world stories children of men the terminator you know these like post-apocalyptic mad max fury road these kind of like uh stories about the end of the world and people picking up the pieces as fun as entertainment you know and so when this started to bubble when the news started to like percolate um i was primed i was very nervous about it and then i was like at various things like uh, this will be the most L.A. thing I say today, but I was in an improv class uh, <laughs> when uh, I, I would say it was like maybe two weeks to three weeks into it's here. COVID is here. And someone was sick. And and I was just like felt it, a terror in my body like that I had not felt before. I also have asthma, so I'm scared of like underlying conditions. Plus my um, my brother and his wife are healthcare professionals so they're just like oh, wow. on the front lines of this so it was like the first stages of it like the first three four months was just like i'm in my i'm in a bubble i'm not seeing anyone i go outside f- for walks but i actually didn't do that until i read several articles that was like yeah you can go outside and take walks that's fine um so then after i read that i started going outside for walks but it was also just like a lot of concern for the people in my life uh, people who are dealing with this in a really present way and, you know, getting updates from my family about, like, what was going on because my, my brother was working, like, 
on the COVID ward. Wow. Um, and when it was really, when it was really, really crisis time in, in New York, like uh, he was living at his house and then his wife and uh, their young child who's in like one was living with my mom and so they would see each other like through the sliding glass door like obviously could not be with each other um but he was he was like yeah uh seven people on the ward died last night like we've got the refrigerated morgue trucks going it was scary like legitimately terrifying um and then i was playing a lot of animal crossing i think that's how i was dealing with it like hours and hours a day of Animal Crossing. I like, didn't get into it because I knew I wouldn't get out of it. It was deep. It was mm. a deep hole and it was sudden and you just go into it. It's one of those, it was a game where, uh, you know, it's a game about capitalism, but in the <laughs> shiniest, nicest, most cutesy way. And it's one of those games where you're like, what am I doing? This is nothing. I'm picking up branches and I'm like, like pulling uh, up grass and planting flowers. And then, you like look up and it's nine hours later mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. like what have i done uh so i did that for many months it's like animal farm for capitalism it's exactly what it yeah. is you know it's like one of those things that i i was enjoying it a lot but also it gave me it it, it brought me to like this existential edge in the sense that like i think that a lot of what we've gone through in the last year has been an a, a, um a kind of revealing of cracks in our system Mm -hmm. and then playing animal crossing it's like man can we even imagine anything better if literally our games are just like a shinier nicer version of what we're doing what if your boss was a was a cute raccoon though what if he was a little cute (laughs) raccoon wouldn't that be so much better than this it's like we can't imagine a world where you don't have to do labor in order to like a crazy amount of labor to get barely anything enough to live now, in the game, medicine is just grass that you pull up from the ground oh, and you see, turn that into medicine. Mm. So that, I think if that system, if somehow we could apply that it's system like to what we're weed. doing, it'd be better. It's a pro-weed video yeah. game. It's like that and playing like all the Call of Duty and Fortnite. Like I just, I played a lot of that as well where I would just, I, I just went through phases where I'm just like playing this stuff and I'm like, this is how we're dealing with a lot of the existential questions that we have, we're dealing with it through like our mass entertainment. Like mm-hmm. Fortnite and and uh, Call of Duty are games about uh, being dropped into a like abandoned cityscape where you have to loot resources that you share with people, including mm-hmm. medicine and ammunition, while like the environment around you collapses until it shrinks and there's no way to live outside of it. It's like, is that not like what we are worried about? Like, like, gee, why is this game so popular? It's like, (laughs) yeah, why is it so popular? Uh, These are the things that I was thinking all the time. And then I got into like, and then I just started watching a ton of TV, you know, I think like everybody else. And then there was the summer portion where it felt like, ooh, it let up a little. And Mm. I had some like socially distanced like meetups with people. And uh, and then we went into the, in the wintertime where it started to come back. And then, of course, changing my job, which is as I'm so happy where I am, but also like anytime you transition, it's like just that's stressful in yeah. general. And public um, so in this industry, everybody wants to know the T. And so, you're just like, leap, I'm, I'm, this is hard enough. Let's talk about that because I tell you, it is a weird thing. When, when Grantland folded, I found out on Twitter. Oh. And, uh, and I remember I was in the lobby of my apartment building and my neighbor who I didn't know was like, hey, sorry about it. And I was like, what? what? And he was like, oh, Grantland, blah, blah, blah. And then so I looked at Twitter and I saw what happened. And that was like the most out of body weird that people would know about my job and care about it. Isn't yeah. that, is that weird? It must be still weird for you when people are like, what's going on? Like, Yeah, yeah I mean, like, there was that period where I couldn't work, where I was stuck under contract at Fox and coming yeah. to ESPN, but I had to wait. And there were so many articles about what was happening with me that I was yeah. I would read. And I'm like, first of all, Nobody emailed me and asked, and I yeah. probably would have answered because it's just kind of what I do. I don't see the value in not being honest. But then I'm like, these are so wrong. And then watching people have con- <laughs> like conversations about what yeah. they thought was going to happen. And it was just like, yeah. what? who cares? This is so, it's, it's also, you have to see like, it's flattering. It's nice that people care yeah. about what you're doing. But at the same time, you're like, I'm already trying to adjust to what's going on. And there's a full discourse around it that's, that can be very confusing. 
Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, the, the the answer is always like don't participate in it. Yeah. But it's also just like hard to it's it's a weird thing to deal with because uh, to your point, it is flattering. It's nice, you know, in this business that people care because that translates to I'm going to still have a job, like right. <laughs> you know, in a, tomorrow and a week after this. But it is also just so strange. It is super super strange to be like the f- the focus of stories about like oh what do you think happened type of stories. It's weird. It's very weird. But now you're at Crooked yeah. Media. Yes. With our with my friend Tommy Vitor. It's, and Great I say guy. my friend because I'm like, I bet he's going to go on to do big things. So every now and then we'll text each other like a couple months just to be like, we're still friends, right? You're not too cool for me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to go places and it might be nice to have him as a contact. And he's funny. And he's a Boston fan, so it's very easy big to Boston talk to him fan, about so, yeah. the basics. You know, yeah, Tom Brady like, smart. Smart about a lot of stuff. It's yeah, like he's really I, smart. I, they're I, all really smart. They're all really smart. That's the thing. Is like they're all really smart. It's kind of like intimidating to be like, oh yeah, you worked at the White House. Yeah, it's like you hang out with them sometimes, and you're like, oh wait, you guys wrote speeches that Obama said out loud. Oh yeah, Ooh. that's right. You influenced foreign policy. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I tweet yeah. I have memes some thoughts. And you guys, right, write I tweet speeches. memes. Right. I have a joke about the NBA trade deadline. Uh, and you wrote <laughs> words that Obama said. I see. Okay. I understand the difference now. <laughs> uh, yeah. We are, not, we are not the same, you and I. But so do you yeah. feel like, uh, I mean, obviously, I bet you get this, get this question a lot lately. But the big thing with sports has always been in the last few years, partially because of, you know, my network, has been like, mm-hmm. stick to sports. Stick to sports. Sports shouldn't cross over with politics. I know where you stand on that personally. But I'm interested mm-hmm. to know if your view of it has changed a ton during this lockdown. Because for me, it did. And I think some of the networks it did because it started to become obvious that there was more to it. I think that, um, you know, to your point, I've always felt like there's no way to talk about sports without talking about the various political intersections that arise from it. Because, I mean, you just just look back through sports history and it has always been a force for integration for uh, bringing people who would have been outside the mainstream of American life into the mainstream of American life. And that is inherently political and the conversations around that are inherently political. Uh, And so uh, I've always felt that, but yeah, you know, the last several years and especially the last year, I'm going to say radicalized, but it kind of felt like, um, there's no way to avoid these conversations. There's no, they are part and parcel with with any sports conversation. And more to the point, like, um, it is it is important to talk about them. And it is important to bring in voices who normally wouldn't get to talk about sports and highlight them and get a view into their experience. Just, you know, whether it's, the uprisings that have occurred over the last year, uh, year plus, or the uh, rise in anti-Asian bias. I think all of these things are, are super, super important to talk about, and they are part of a sports conversation. You know, it's like we're, we're just like super divided as a country. This is a thing I say all the time, but like we're super divided as a country, both along economic lines, racial lines, gender lines, and one of the big tents that that people gather under and people uh, across political uh political uh, stripes gather under is sports it's the place where you will end up having conversations with people that you disagree with about a lot of things and so Therefore, it's really important to like examine wh- where those fault lines are and to highlight those conversations, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I also feel like I hate when people say that I get political, which I think everybody yeah. hates. I just genuinely am like, uh, you know, I live by that quote. I think it was Tom Morello who said, like, the only duty that you have is to weave the, your life passions into your life work. And it's like, yeah. I just, I'm like a why would I say something I don't believe type of a person. Right. But it's it's always treated like there's this directive that because of my job, somebody told me what right. political party I have to align with. And I'm like, I don't even know what political party 
this is that I'm speaking yeah. from. I just know how I feel about things or I know where my empathy makes me realize where my blind spots were in the past yeah. and that I can share that with people and hope that they can see. But it's everyone's always like, you have an agenda. That's like, what I could my that. agenda possibly be? I know. That's the thing that drives me crazy when people say that because it's like, do you not think that Katie Nolan and everybody else who is highlighting an issue that is troubling to them would rather just be talking about like touchdowns oh and pick God, sixes and shit? Right? You it's know, like, like right? I, I would love that. I would love to just be like, hey, Bucks beat the Celtics last night, 140 to 120. Like, that would be f- great. Mm. That would be great. That'd be great. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world, yeah. you know, where that's possible. Um, so that is a thing that like discourse drives me crazy. And there's also like the the idea that sports was ever out of uh, not involved in politics to me is just one of it's like a very blinkered and very privileged lens because and this is like an example I use all the time as well. But before every football game, they fly fighter jets over the stadium yeah. and unroll a 200-foot American flag. And every uh, every branch of the armed forces is represented by a member who comes out and walks out to uh, the middle of the field where they lower the flag. It's like, uh, that's political. That's like a manifestly political statement. And to not realize that is to be so at the center of mainstream conversations that you don't realize that you are that you are even a perspective you know right you're being centered completely and other people are saying hey we also exist and then you're telling them to stop politicizing it when it's like no but it's the anthem that's being sung before a sports event it doesn't need to be sung but it is. And then you, when somebody takes a knee for it, you're like, you're politicizing this political rally song that <laughs> yes, we sing before on. a game? It doesn't yeah. make sense. And it's just the absurdism of it is what makes me like, it's a, it, it's a, it can't be an agenda. It's not like, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just saying like, hey, this right. is what I think people are trying to say. And I understand where they're coming from when they try to say it. And then everyone's yes. like, you're divorcing, you're liberal down my throat. It's like, <laughs> okay, I don't, didn't force anything. You listened to my podcast. I don't know. Yes. This is my, where I say my that's the other, and, and that's the other thing. It's like, listen, if you want that, if you want a specific flavor of, of, of sports coverage, I guarantee you it's out there. You can find it. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, go my whole career it. exists based on the fact that I'm like, well, everybody else is already doing that part of it really right. well. And I don't do yeah. it better than them. So I'm going to do it this way, where we talk Thank mostly very- about off the court. And I wanted it to be the good. And then, it, yeah. you know, when the bad happens, you just reach a point where you're like, it's irresponsible of me not to say how I feel about this. Yeah. And, and you know, from a as a person who primarily talks about basketball, like from a moral perspective, I just didn't feel like I could... You know, I've always talked about these issues, but I especially didn't feel like I could, uh, you know, not talk about them or in any way soft pedal them when I'm covering a league that's 80% black. And a lot of the success that I've had in my life is based on the fact that I am talking about this sport and the lives of these people. So it just is like, how could I not do it? Uh, But, you know, then there's also, and you you do this as well, and you do this really well, is the the thing to that I'm always thinking about is, okay, how can I, how can I talk about stuff? And obviously this doesn't work with extremely serious incidents, but like, how do I, how do I talk about these things that are really important while dumping as much sugar on top of them Mm. as possible so that it's fun? Because I understand also that people want to, they also want to like have some kind of break from whatever is happening from for this last year like that's people who have reached out to me over the last few months who have been like man you've just made like 30 minutes of my life better on a daily Mm -hmm. basis and I like I really thank you for that like I I also want to do that where I'm not like just battering you over the head with information and and stuff that's wrong I want to try and do it in a way that's at least entertaining Um, but I also just don't think again I just don't think you can avoid these conversations yeah I mean for me it was realizing that like nobody wants to be preached to so the 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 goal should never be to like say exactly the right thing all the time scripted perfectly but but be that person in my life all the time who is careful not to 
you know, to, who works on her blind spots and who tries to educate herself on these issues so that when I talk about anything, the person that I am and the values I hold are reflected in the way that I talk about it. To me, that's what's, like, that was a lesson for me. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say if I just make mm. sure that the person that is saying it is a person who wouldn't say the wrong thing because they're doing the work off mic or off camera. That that's a uh, really crucial insight that I think I, I had a similar one and I think that is really useful is like you don't have to know everything. There are people out there who are voices for uh, their various lived experiences and you can simply listen to them and amplify them and learn from them. You don't have to have every answer in your life, right. uh, especially about like issues that are as complex as race and you know, uh, intersections and uh, gender issues. Like, you don't have to have every answer, but there are people out there who will tell you what their lives are like. And, and if you want to listen to them, it's very useful. That has been really useful for me. Yeah, it's why the discourse around cancel culture is so infuriating, I think. Who's been canceled? It's, it's like, be who's been canceled? And name, also, name it's, anyway. <laughs> well, it's just like, p cancel culture then causes people to be like, I'm afraid I can't say this because I'm going to get canceled. And then it's like, well, it, do you believe it? Because right. if you believe it, then say it. And if they try to cancel you, stand up for what you believe in. Like, don't, right. if you're so like, why do you get to tell me what to say? It's like, all right, then say it. <laughs> like, you're just kowtowing to a fear that doesn't actually exist. And it's a fear of you changing and evolving as a person and realizing that you don't have to say that hurtful thing you just said. You're actually being lazy by saying it. If your brain yes, is you telling mean. you, like, I might get canceled, it's like, well, then... Can you change a couple words in what you're saying? Should you reevaluate yes. your opinion and your stance? And if you look at it and you're like, I don't think I should, then tweet it and don't be afraid. And if somebody comes for you, you can defend yourself or you can do what they always do, which is fake apologize and continue being a garbage person. And it's like we're forgetting that the point of it is supposed to be to like examine yourself, figure out if right. you did mess up and if you did do the work to be welcomed back in. And the, the secret that nobody ever talks about is if you do that work, your work gets better. The, That's the true. content yes. you create gets better because it, it's, it appeals to more people and it hurts less people. It can still be funny. It can still be fun. It doesn't have to be blatantly hurtful to people. Yeah, it's really such a lazy trope. The worst version of that obviously being someone saying, oh, cancel culture, I'm being canceled, or somebody is being canceled when they just like say something that is clearly like either a slur or racially or gender-based joke that is freaking awful. Um, it's one of those things where, like, I actually can't think of anyone who's been canceled. Like, everybody ends up being just fine. So, like, I, I urge everyone, as Katie said, to do the work and to listen to other voices and to expand your personal perspective uh, and also as like my criticism on on repercussions in our culture is that actually everybody gets back in Mel Gibson he's doing movies I mean Louis that's C. K., the thing that frustrates me because like, I, would, I would love you know to I mean? see like, I, I use this example on this podcast a lot but I would love to see these people who got or got canceled or like got in trouble for something they did Louis CK like go through the gr human personal growth Right. And then, because I used to be a Louis C.K. fan, it sucked. It sucked I loved his, I loved to his love comedy. his comedy, to right look now. up to like, wow, it's brilliant how he does that. Then find this out and realize how many people he hurt. It would be yeah. so great to be able to root for him again, but the, it's the step that I need that's missing, that we keep telling people that like, I'm a victim of cancel culture. I'm going to prove that I can come back. And then you're like, right, but did you do the middle part? Because yes. the middle part is what I will welcome you back. Mike Tyson, who has now done the work and now talks about issues in a way that I'm like, that's amazing that he's grown that much as a person and he yeah. may still have Tim Hardaway Sr. is another one yes. who did the same thing. It's like nobody's perfect, but once you go through something like that, if you really realize the damage you did, then you want to fix it and you can use the skills that you used to be praised for that you were canceled from doing to actually make a difference with this issue that you participated in. So it's like that would be a road to redemption, but the road to redemption now has a shortcut where you get in trouble and then a whole group of people rush to your defense just because they 
they don't want people to have to get yeah. in trouble. And then you get to be famous for the person who got to be in trouble and you get like a redemption story without ever actually redeeming yourself. Yes. Makes me go crazy. It makes me go crazy as well. It's crazy, crazy sauce. And I think the other thing too is when you can learn a lot by the people who are defending you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like if if you look to your right and left and the people who are taking up your cause are are bad, maybe you did something bad. Maybe right. take stock of that. You it's know? like, it's, you know, you can't like hold, I've seen this before, people are like, should creators be responsible for the actions of their audience? And there's a, there's obviously, it's a spectrum as everything is. Right. There's some parts you can control and there's some parts where it's like, I, you can't hold that person accountable for everything their fans do. But when you have a type of fandom that tends yeah. to be like vitriolic and, and, you know, abusive in their defense of you, you should be like, why is my audience cool with yeah. doing something that I wouldn't be cool with doing? And you should yeah. look at yourself and figure out why that is. But it seems like people are like, you can't hold me accountable for the people that like me. And it's like, you can't, for, to a point you can, if they're right, all to, one type of way. I mean, I can't, uh, listen, I can't hold you accountable, but could you say that like I don't do this like I would not this is an action that I would not do personally yeah. like I just think there's a lot of avenues that people could take and I think that you're exactly right that is you know there is this is an extremely uh you know blustery environment where like hot and on the edge takes are often can break through and that is a tactic that people have used and I'm not I'm not uh, judging it in terms of at least the stuff that is like not over the line into like absolutely racially and misogynistically bad material, but like it, it, it is very rare that people will be able to like call out their audience for something that they don't like. That is, uh, it's a shame that that doesn't happen more. Uh, speaking of hot takes, you, it's kind of your, it. you have the hottest of takes. It's <laughs> been I? your whole thing. Okay. But somehow your hot takes always manage to be not as problematic, let's say, as the hot takes that our industry is known for. Uh, as I'm asking the question, I'm like, I bet that's not a conscious effort on your part. It's just who you are as a person. But how do you get your takes so spicy? I think what the thing that I like to do is I like to play with the idea of of the take or just like the as you do you do this thing as well which is you know what's funny to us is the format is this whole conversation is sports this kind of like sports media ecosphere ecosphere and the various like games and uh kind of gimmicky things that we do to build shows and to have conversations i love like toying with that idea you know like uh so i will like when i'm I don't know that how conscious I, I am about it, but like when I have a take, I will, uh, I I will often like veer to the absolute edge of what is plausible about the take, or try and go in an exact opposite. Like I I think a take that I did this with was uh, Magic Johnson's Twitter account. Right, he, mm. he tweets very basic stuff about sports that happened. Right, like congratulations to my Dodgers, they just won the World Series. Uh, and then he'll have like the score. The final score you know, was it, yeah. yeah. The final score, final score was this. And it would be like okay, it's a box um, score. Thank you, Magic. Thank you, thank you so much, Magic Johnson, one of the greatest uh, players in NBA history. Uh, my, I got to the point where. I honestly just appreciate it. We need just people who are, who have big platforms, who are big voices, who just say what happened <laughs> yeah. in a factual way. That yeah. is a thing that we have missed in this world for the last several years. And I honestly just found it to be such a light in my life that Magic Johnson would just tell me what happened in a very matter of fact way that is totally dry, devoid of any personality, and is like the most basic thing that he could give me. I think that's great. I thought, I just came around to it, I thought that's great. And is that a is that a take that I actually leave? Yeah, but it's also kind of like an example of that formulation I try to use, which is, what is a different angle on this thing that we all think about? And you yeah. do it too, you do it so well. 
Oh, stop doing that. Every time you do that, I'm like, what? He's just <laughs> feeling like he has to compliment me. I don't do no, anything anymore. No, that's not true. I appreciate Magic Johnson's Twitter, too. I also feel like I saw recently that he might have said something that's more takey. And I was like, chill out. Go back to just being. Yeah, stop it. Don't do that. Just tweet me the facts. Be my news Pump. anchor. Yeah, that's it. Pump Tell the brakes. Exactly just be that. And that's just it. be legitimately one of the most trustworthy voices in American life over that's the right. last four years. That's please. right. Magic Johnson. <laughs> Make, the truth is magic, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you're, you are, you've, you brought this up before that we are very online. We came up through the internet. What, yeah. I'm curious to know how your approach to the internet has evolved throughout your career. Like where you stand on reading the comments or checking your app mentions or like oh, yeah. engaging with people. Cause I know I've been through a whole bunch of evolutions with my approaches yeah. to all these platforms. I think I'm at a, a healthy one with Twitter at least healthier than where it was at before. Yeah. Um, but especially over this last year with the internet being your connection to people, I'm just curious to know how you approach it now. That's a good question. I, you know, it can be extremely unhealthy. Um, I think, generally speaking, the way I try to create stuff or uh, is I have like people around me, the teams that I work with, that I really trust their opinions and I seek out their opinions and I try to shut out everything else YouTube comments in particular about what it is that I'm doing what's good and what's bad I just go to the people who I work directly with uh, you know and collaborate closely with or that I just have in my life and I think are you know have a good lens for this kind of stuff and I ask them what they think and I try to shut out everything else including like the praise because I think you can at least yeah. for me, like I can lose my, I, I feel like I can lose my compass if I am just like soaking in too much of like, oh, the king, you know, this is great. This is great. This is great. Although like, like everyone else, I do love to be complimented. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyone else? Am I alone in that? Does anyone else like yeah, hearing right. nice like, things? You, just don't, you want to make sure you cover your bases so nobody listens to this. And it's like, Jason says he doesn't like praise. So I just give him <laughs> right. constant criticism. It's like, no, 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 no. I still do like it. I still do but like it. But you're totally right. There, You can get high on your own supply, for lack of a better yeah. term, where you're just like way too into your own thing. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. And then, you know, with the internet, I guess I try to uh, completely disengage from anything that's toxic. Like if someone comes at me in a toxic way or a negative way, you know, a thing that happens on the internet, and I don't necessarily blame anyone for this, is they'll like at me about a podcast episode and, and be like, this actually happened once where it was like, I try to listen to this. I like Jason's work on other podcasts, but like he's so screamy and annoying. His voice sucks. And then they at me with <laughs> at me like, at why? on the thing. Why, 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 why? And it's like, uh, on the one hand, we've all been inside for a year, and I get it. People, we forget how to act. The the internet it itself is isolating, so you forget that there's like real people out there. And I guarantee you that person. Uh, th forgot that they tweeted that 15 seconds later and just moved on with mm -hmm. their day. Mm -hmm. But so stuff like that, I will just like ignore. Um, more, uh, more derogatory shit, depending on the, uh, depending on if I see it and depending on the severity, I will either immediate block or like put them on blast like for the entire timeline mm. um and then youtube comments i never read ever ever ever, ever yeah i i ever. haven't read literally one. i realized the ever. other day i haven't read one since i was on youtube in the sense that like that was where i directly uploaded my right. stuff to uh and then i look back at it now and either they've gotten worse over the years or like i was forged in a fire i did not even realize the heat <laughs> <All> of <right. laughs> But now I'm like, oh, shoot, like nothing I get on Twitter can hurt me because YouTube yeah. comments were so mean. Oh, so they're just they're the, the meanest people. They're absolutely the most brutal and the freaking meanest. So now I'll have my producers, you know, my producers will occasionally say something like, wow, like uh, I've never seen such. They've said this recently and I'm not just like gassing myself up, but they were like, oh, I've never seen such positive YouTube comments. Mm -hmm. um, and but I won't investigate because yes, smart. It, it is the YouTube is 
whatever algo they use yep. that draws people in for one i'm thankful for it please bring me uh, more subscribers need that i would love to deliver hits for my new employer Kruger media but also uh there are people who like have no idea what your content is who you are whatever and they will just like drop the most like brutal fucking mm. sh in the comments and i don't ever want to see it or know about it like, I, that's it I I, like I, it's I, not good for me when I got to ESPN I feel like I learned or understood better or saw from a different perspective how television networks work because mm. before the internet you would have like this is you know uh, VH1 and you knew what yeah. if you went to VH1 you knew what to expect this is ESPN you go to ESPN you know what to expect then the internet happened so people subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and they expect to see highlights uh, right. Like analysis from morning shows and Stephen A. clips from first take. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were sliding in me and just these random 12 minute monologues about how uh, college strength and conditioning coaches and football programs are very dangerous <laughs> and end up killing a lot of kids. And we really don't talk about that enough. And since it's 12 minutes long, I sprinkle in jokes to, like you said, try yeah. to put a little bit of sugar on top of this sandwich I'm feeding you. And But if you're not expecting that, like if you're on ESPN's YouTube channel and all of a sudden yes. you get hit with that, the comments were all like, this woman is laughing about death. And I'm like, hey, yeah. I get, I get why you think that. Um, it's not, and the only reason I know these comments happen is because I had to talk to people at ESPN who were like, we might pull it. And I was like, no, but it's, but it, do you disagree with it? Because right. if you disagree with it, we have to have a bigger conversation about the kind of content that I'm making. But I think it's just because they're coming here for one thing. The same way if you turned on like court TV back in the day and instead it was like something that wasn't that, you'd be like, what is this? I don't want this. But now that on YouTube, they can just type. There's no programming yeah. director on YouTube. You just get random videos left and right and you have no idea what to expect. And sometimes the context of it would I, be helpful. I, I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, like, listen, I, I know what it's like, too. I have... A couple months ago, I watched one Joe Rogan video oh about boy. UFOs. I was in a week. I, let me just hey, say, look, I was research. at a, it. It was like two a.m. I was in a weird spot in the day, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll listen to this person talk about <laughs> about UFOs for a couple minutes. That's interesting." And my algo was like the most insane. My my like feed after Crazy. that when I logged back into YouTube was just like. Argh! Like Jordan Peterson destroys lives, yeah. like that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my God. Well, because every now and then, I mean, first of all, listening to the most popular podcast every now and then to yeah. check on what they're doing that's making them so successful. It's important. Is not a, yeah. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It's like, let me see what this guy's up to that right. everybody yeah. loves, uh, which is usually only just grows my, my I don't <laughs> want to say hatred, but my disdain for that person because there's times where I'm just like you're not even listening to the people you interview but you want me to listen to you talk for three straight hours like how could you but anyway it's enough about him but like I've I've also done it because he's had on comedians that I like and I'm like well let's yeah. see how this person does yeah. on this platform that's big for them let me see if this yeah. went well for them and then your algorithm is just like should women be assigned to men legally and you're like, what's up what's like, up what oh is this God. why am I getting this content uh, how? What is? Where do you come down on engaging with people who engage with you in a positive way? I'm talking like purely positive way on Twitter and social media. I have been, you know, a lot of times when I have those blinkers on, I uh, I will just like not respond to anything. I'll be in that mood where I'm just like, okay, I'm just working, working, working. I have this thing to say, and that's it. I drop it and I walk away. Um, but I also feel like, you know. On the as I'm launching new projects and it's important to promo them, and also like as I've, uh, uh, I've gotten like the profile of a person that I guess people want to engage with, that it is that I would like to do it. So I try to do it, uh, you know, uh, for some point of my for some like small swath of my online day, I try to engage with people. What about you? Like, what is your philosophy on engaging with? people who are coming at you in a positive way. So my thing is, when I say my relationship with Twitter is more healthy, I don't mean the amount of time I spend on it. That I would say is probably unhealthy. And Same. hearing you say like, I try to spend a portion of my online part of my day. I'm like, oh, I wish I even had a part of my day that's online. Like I get four hours online today and I'll spend an hour yeah. of them. That sounds much healthier 
than what mm. I do, which is like, I'm not doing anything. Let me check Twitter or like I'll oh, yeah, tweet a, a, a joke and then I'll be like, did people get it? And then I'll check yeah, how it. Yeah, how to go? <laughs> how to go? The, the thing about my, oh, Jesus Christ, I almost just broke my whole sack okay? with a toe, oh with God. one toe. <laughs> this is why I say you are much more professional than me. Um, the thing about it that's become more healthy for me now is that I, my approach mentally to Twitter is, and this is what works for me. I don't know if it would work for anyone, and it might be because I'm a white lady. So it might just be yeah. like I have it's super privileged with this. But I approach it with... Um, I assume everybody who tweets at me is like ribbing me. Even if they say right. something mean, I'm assuming that they just aren't delicate with the words they're saying. They didn't put a little... Yeah. Th- because I assume safely, I think, that not everybody puts as much thought into the words they tweet as I do. Because I yes. know with the amount of people I have following me and the responsibility of the size of my platform, I yeah. have to make sure... A, that I don't step in something I didn't mean to say. Like, B, right. that it's genuinely expressing that my my thought is as clearly expressed as it could possibly be. Yes. That it fits into the character limit. And also that it's as funny as possible. And usually the way to make something funnier is to, like, rearrange the words and delete some mm-hmm. of them and add different ones. It's, like, very rhythmic <laughs> to me. So I'm like, yes. this is, I have, I put a lot of thought into every tweet. Which is why the most times that I'm getting mad at a verified person on Twitter, it's because I'm like, <laughs> you didn't even try to yeah, say this properly and you're all yes. in your mentions being like that's not what I meant and it's like well you should have <laughs> written a better tweet because you have a big platform and it sounded like that's what you meant that makes me so mad but I have to understand that not everybody in the world thinks about tweets that much because they have a healthier relationship with the website or they just log in say some shit, and then go back to their real life so I try to approach it with like this person is not personally attacking you and then my yeah. other my other thing is like only get defensive about things that I I know to be true. Like don't def- don't just start defending myself until right. it's like oh I'm being accused of something that is not at all what I stand for. Those are right. the times that I'll be like hey watch it. But other than that, yeah. if somebody says something like oh yeah this lady complaining about her problems when she's rich. I yeah. old Katie would have been like, oh, rich people are still allowed to have problems. Yeah. That's so mean. And now I just say like, I know it's so tough. Can you start a GoFundMe for me? Like, I'll just <laughs> joke back with them of like, yeah. yeah, obviously you're right. I'm complaining and there's worse things to complain about. But I've noticed that with celebrities, the times that it gets so out of control is when they try to start defending themselves yes, for something that's, that's like, it... you, you agree with them. If you really step back and you stop being so protective of yourself, they have a point. So see yeah. their point and meet them there but don't give them you know stand by i can still be in pain but you're right i have it off a lot better than other people i'm i what a out of touch weirdo i am make a joke about yourself and then move on and people will be like okay at least you're (coughs) self-aware so my whole thing has been basically that and i also like interacting with people because it's, I'm at the point where I see a lot of the same names in my mentions and I'm like, I bet same. this person yeah. would be my friend. Like they're, yeah, they're not. And it's important to not blur that line because you don't want right. to do that with people. And then like <laughs> when you can't do a thing for them, you're like, I have a lot. If these are really my friends, I have a, a lot of friends, um, yeah. which is tough to keep up with. But at the same time, I'm like, look, if I'm in my mentions and I see somebody say something and I know that I can respond to that and make them feel good or like make them laugh then it's like, why wouldn't I do that? Not every day do I have the emotional capacity to do it. And then I feel bad where I'm like, this person, I could really probably help them, but I need to take care of myself today. Yes. Um, but then I just forgive myself for that because taking care of yourself is important and you can't just always it's super be important. taking care of other people. So I don't know. My, my approach to it is like, I usually, I think most of my time on Twitter is interacting with people. I don't send tweets as much mainly because lately I haven't had thoughts that I deem all that interesting, but I have had really interesting conversations with people on that website. It, today, the Chrissy Teigen news bummed me out. Which Yeah, that's a bummer. She's obviously out of touch in a lot of ways, but the thing specifically that bummed me out about it is that it made me feel like there's a certain level of famous you can get to where you can't use Twitter anymore the way that I, I like think to that's use right. Twitter. And it's just like, uh, I'm not like sad and crying about it, but I'm like, man... I have to stay not famous because it's going to become impossible for me to do this the way I like doing it. You're leading into a question that I wanted to ask you. But first, I'm going to say this. I think that 
this is a conversation I was having with our mutual friend Ian Carmel, Love who him. I would say is 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 a famous person. Yes, and we were talking about a person uh, who is much more. I think I think we were talking about Blake Griffin, who is obviously incredibly famous, and how that must be so warping and weird to get to a level where that oh, you can't. I can't even comprehend what it would be like for just people to have an idea that they know who you are. A, a vast amount of people feel like they know you from stuff and will come at you. Like we 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 all have like a level of notoriety. Like you know, you are a well-known like Ian is has a fan base, but like that level, you're right. That level of like Chrissy Teigen level fame, Blake Griffin level fame, John Legend level fame. It you just the percentage of people out there who are going to uh, talk to you in a toxic manner stays the same. Let's say it's like 5%, but now it's just like a vast amount of people yeah. <laughs> because you are that famous and it just doesn't feel good. And no, listen, no one wants to hear uh, famous people whine about stuff, yeah, but like you true. definitely need to protect yourself from that. And she's been through like some really like tragic stuff in her life lately and it also... It also bummed me out. But this is the thing I want to ask you. As you've become more successful in your career and people know who you are, um, how have you, like, calibrated your, like, interpersonal reactions in terms of work, uh, like, just socially? Because, like, I think one of the things that was, like, a real weird, like, mind-altering thing for me is, like, when people started to come into the ringer and they'd be like, you're the reason I wanted to work here. Ooh. Or or like or like my friends who were doing the hiring would be like, oh, yeah, this person, uh, they said specifically, like, you and Shay, like, that they, they, they – and at that point I began to become aware because, you know, like sports environments, it's very bust, bust, busting ballsy, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm joking with people. I'm just one of the uh, – just one of the colleagues here and I'm going to joke with you. Um, but then I became aware of, okay, like if because of like the power, weird power imbalance here, like if I joke with this person who I consider to be a colleague in every way, it will hit different. Yeah. Like, did you ever have to like calibrate that or figure out like how to do that as you become more successful and like well known? Uh, I think I still am. I'm st it's like a constant figuring it out. I remember there were a couple moments on Garbage Time where like we brought in an editor and our team on Garbage Time was like, eight nine people at its biggest and this kid was going to help and I say kid I don't mean that uh demeaningly I mean like he was sure. very young and he was going to be like the associate editor he was going to help Justin who was our main editor doing most of our stuff and I st immediately started like joking with him in a way that I would with anybody and it took me a minute there was one time where I had to step back and be like hey I this is um I find you I think that we're friendly and I don't want right. you to take this as like I, I was like I'm I'm letting you know I'm aware of the fact that I got too comfortable with you too quick and right. that might be weird for you because either you can't it's weird because your brain has to think of yourself as famous in order to think of that right and I was so averse to the idea of being considered famous and I still am because it's not the it's weird I want un, as many people to see the stuff I make as possible because I want it to make them laugh and feel good but I don't want to be famous it's not about the right. like Katie Nolan's here that to me is like right. oh god but I do want people I love when people say they've seen things I've done so it's very yeah. paradoxical and I'm, I'm still working through what that all means in my head but it was uh, something I realized on a non-interpersonal level was that like getting packages delivered to my house in a in an apartment building where they just sit in the lobby I had to realize yeah. <laughs> that like if something is addressed to me and sitting in the lobby and someone who doesn't like me lives in the building that person yeah. now knows my apartment number and I need to like somebody told me that I should yeah. be sending my packages to a fake name and I was like ew I'm not famous enough to send them to a fake name and then you realize like well okay you have to be smart and accept what's real even though it makes you uncomfortable and then change your behaviors to that but then I get nervous that I'm going to get carried away with that and start to think same like, I'm so famous I have to do this and it's like oh so yeah it's still a thing I'm working on with my relationships I think it's like at work it's always been I've always been lucky enough that my staff 
and I are like a the part that no one cares about and gets left alone. We don't like mm. interact as much with others. So like at ESPN, it's like I had a cubicle and most of the other big talents were in offices behind me. I I'm a I use that and I make jokes about that, but it doesn't actually. I understand it. I'm not bringing right. in Stephen A. money to ESPN. <laughs> I'm grateful to be here and like hoping that I can you know, offer a different type of programming to ESPN. But I, mm-hmm. I'm not an idiot. I know it's like right. Stephen A and I are not equal and I don't get angry when I'm not treated that way with him. Um, but with my staff, it's like I protect them in a way that I'm like, I will I will ride for you. I will fight for you. Yeah. I will help you. We are close and this show won't work unless we're all friendly with each other. We don't have to be best friends, yeah. but like we have to at least like and respect each other or else how could the five of like too many, too few people touch the stuff I make that if any of yeah. them didn't respect me and I didn't respect them, it, it would be obvious in the content and it wouldn't be yes. true. Yeah. So... But then I'm also mindful of the like, yeah, it's very easy for the person who gets paid a bunch of money to do this to be like, we're a family here. Right. And I try to always remember not to ask things of people who are doing this for less money, significantly less money than me, to like sacrifice anything for this job. Because I've heard people in a toxic way say, our company's like a family. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. these people have an actual family that they have to be with and support. And, uh, and so saying that work is a family is kind of manipulative. So I try to do it in a way that's like... Like, you can come to me with your problems. You can also, like, you can tell me when you need a day off. We, I just, I see you as a person. I am no better than you. But I, there are things that because of my platform, I have to be protected from. And then there's things that you'll have to be protected from type of a situation. Does that answer your question? I, I don't think it, it does. It, no, it, it really did. And you know, certain things re- really resonated with me. The idea of, like... Uh, you know, when you hear we're a family, I think it's wonderful. First of all, that's like such a warm uh, statement and it's great. On the other hand, it is definitely whether people are conscious of it or not, a way that, you know, workers can be uh, leveraged in a creative 100%. environment. You know, it's like, hey, uh, isn't this great what we're doing here? Like, don't you believe in it? Like, wouldn't you rather be doing it here than doing it somewhere else for like maybe a better salary you'd rather do it here right with your family and I think that's you know you see that a lot in this kind of in the in I think any creative endeavor Um, and it's always something to look sideways at Um, but yes that that made a lot of sense to me and it's like you know I think that you you're hitting on another thing too which is like I think when you try to work I would never call myself like a comedian. I love comedy and I want to make myself funny. And I think a lot of the engine of that is I want to make myself the butt of the joke as much as I can. Mm. And I want to punch up. And I, and I constantly worried that if I allow myself to be like, this is good and people like it, that I will get too gassed up to find it anymore you know Mm. what I mean and I think that that kind of thing that you're talking about uh is something that really resonates with me as well like it's I'm constantly trying to be like okay on the one hand don't like yourself and be so hard on yourself that you are just feeling bad all the time about what you're doing on the other hand don't just like eat up all the praise so that you can't find what's been working like f- striking that balance feels like work all the time and again nobody wants to hear like people whine about like their process but that for me is feels like part of like the calibrating the compass thing that I try to do like all the time when I'm working yeah I mean and if you zoom out far enough on that problem it's something that I think a lot of people whether they make content or work in sports media can relate to where it's like you're constantly trying to in some area of your life strike this balance between like rewarding yourself and holding yourself accountable or like breaking yourself down and I think the 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 happy medium I've found is always being willing to consider that the other person criticizing you is right or always Mm. being willing to consider that the person praising you is wrong those are the things that keep me 
or help keep me as centered as I can be where it's like any compliment I get I don't have to be like no 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 that's not true even though sometimes I do do that because I'm insecure and I get uncomfortable when I'm being complimented (laughs) but it's like it can feel good and you can also be like that feels good enough it doesn't have to get you high and it doesn't have to absolutely break your spirit you can just be like hey the um this person gave me a compliment that's very nice and I appreciate it full stop like next thing do you have people like around you, like producers or whoever, who, because uh, this was very important for me, is to have my manager does this for me, where he'll be like, this is good. Enjoy this for today. Yeah. That that was a good thing that happened. You should really just like allow yourself to feel good about that. Like, I find that so freeing when someone says that to me. They'll be like, yeah, that was great. I will enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, do you have people like that? Yeah, I have my, uh, my manager, Rebecca Pfefferman, is like a, a woman who used to run. Who? She founded South by Southwest Sports. Who? Uh, But listen, she founded South by Southwest Sports. That's how we met. And she was not doing managing. And she still technically isn't. And she she was like a person I was calling all the time for advice or for perspective until I finally was like. Great advice. Yeah. And I'm like, you are giving me stuff for free. That is what you do for a living. So then I was just like do you want to be my manager? I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I need a manager because I'm under a contract, yeah. but I want, yeah. I don't want to keep coming to you for free advice. You've been yeah. pivotal at this for me. So that's definitely, that's like a person I have who's like, Hey, this is good. She's also helped me learn how to do it on my own in the sense that like when something's bad, that's when I'm like, what's the good of this? Not right. like, how can I make myself feel better about it? But it's more like, okay, you had a really stressful day and got really upset about something and weren't as good at your job because you got in your head. What's the good? And it's like, well, yeah. this most recent thing I just did, this shoot, I, it was a 14-hour day. And I'm telling you, I haven't worked more than like two hours at a time in a year. <laughs> and so after the 14-hour day, when it didn't go perfectly, I sat down and was like, hey, you did it. You did it. You were there for all of the hours. You completed the tasks. You did not excel at the task, but you did the task, which means the next time, the the weird stuff that was weird this time won't be as weird next time, and you can get better on top of that. So instead of beating myself up about not being the best ever at my job the other day, I was like, hey, really cool that I did that. And then, like, here are three moments from the day that I think were actually net positives. And so, like... Everything's going to be okay. And if people hate the thing I just made, that's also okay because I don't love it as much because I wasn't my best self. So when people come at me and say, this is stupid, I can be like, yeah, I know, but I had to do something. And then I'm now I'm going to do another thing like just uh, to stop being so hard on myself, but also to be better at holding myself accountable. Because I think a lot of the times that people don't want to grow, it's because they're so hard on themselves that then when people are hard on them, they're like, I'm hard enough on myself. And it's like, well, you're being hard on yourself in a way that's not helping you grow. Be hard on yourself about your blind spots and about your weaknesses, but be, you know, nice to yourself about like, you did that. And it's like, okay, cool, I did that. So Love helps. Rebecca. I really miss seeing Fef. That's a person I miss seeing in the I world. I mean, her hair is yeah, looking beautiful. so great right now. She yeah. came onto a Zoom the other day and I was like, that red is yeah. working for you. She's just the one best. of the greats. One of those just people one whose of faces the greats. you see and you're like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we love her. Um, and we love you. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you genuinely well, have a ton me. of stuff to do and you probably have to go watch basketball um but this it was really good to talk to you and to see you i haven't seen you you're a person i always run into at events and there haven't been any events and so i haven't (laughs) seen enough of you well it was delightful uh to be here and really like anytime it's an honor to be asked on to any program that you are having love seeing you i miss desktop but i'm very excited for all of the things coming from you in the future remind everybody where they can find you if they need you which they do Take Line drops Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, All Caps NBA, on the YouTube channel, YouTube slash Take Line, All Caps NBA, every Friday. If you're missing NBA desktop, check that every Friday. That's Friday, folks. Friday. YouTube. Every Friday and on, every Tuesday. Yes. Tuesday and Friday. Check big, it out. Like check and subscribe. Out. Smash that like button, dog. Five star ratings, or I will burn your car. He means it. I, I had do. a car. I don't anymore. And it's because I gave him four stars and I just, I felt it was justified. I'm sorry. 
Well, I, I, uh, again, I appreciate the honesty and I, uh, Obviously, disavow any knowledge of anything that might have happened to your car, uh, deservedly <laughs> or not. Jason Concepcion, thank you so much. Bye, Katie. All right, that's it for Jason Concepcion. Thank you to him for coming here. I know he's very busy right now. Let me cough real quick, and then I will close out your podcast. <clears throat> that's it. That's it for this week's edition of Sports. Leave it in, Travis. Leave it in. Uh, shout out to Better Helps. Oh, that's cute. Better helps. That's like Liam Neeson's shout out to better help and uh, full sale university and shout out to the right time with Bamani Jones. One of uh, these Thursday pods, instead of promoting his podcast, we're going to actually have him on the podcast. And I, and I know that you all want it. It's coming. I just, he's an intimidating man and I have to make sure I'm buttoned up because if I'm not, he's going to come on here and expose all of my flaws. And then all of you guys who think that this is a good podcast are going to be like, wait, Bo has a point. She actually sucks at this. And I'm not ready for that yet. Okay. I had a really stressful week and now I'm just happy to be home with my dog. And that is my cell for the right time with Bamani Jones. Download and subscribe wherever you get this podcast podcast you can also get his podcast big thanks to you guys for listening uh now and then again later on a different streaming service or two uh you can just do one or two times because this podcast is coming up late and i i did warn you but that doesn't make it acceptable that it was late we're gonna get back on a regular schedule next week i'm gonna tell you guys on the next podcast all about how weird this experience of going to la was for me and exactly where i'm at mentally with all of it tears were shed uh bruises were accrued it's a whole thing if this is my tease for next week's podcast I can't wait to tell you all about. Um, you could also just leave us a nice review wherever you're listening to this podcast, which genuinely we do read and we love them. I just always forget. You can't copy paste on Apple Podcasts, so I forget to save them. But Travis, it goes and finds them like this one from AIDS that says, and that's AIDS, A-I-D-E-S, feels important to say, like helpers. This one from helpers that says, I listen to this sometimes to go to sleep, to pass the time while doing work. Highly recommend. Very interesting. All right, that's that's fine. I can't tell if Travis put that in there to hurt my feelings because this person goes to sleep with the podcast, but um, I choose to believe that they go to sleep in the times that Travis is talking. So I, I'm rubber in your glue and everything you say, it's, it bounces off of me, sticks to you, Travis. I put it in there because it was a shorter review for me to type. Oh, yeah. Oh, because you can't copy paste. So you're typing them all by hand. Yeah. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Uh, lastly, don't forget that you can always leave us a voicemail. I genuinely can't say that phrase now without saying it wrong. So leave us a voicemail at 860-506-5571. Travis, say goodbye. Goodbye, people. Uh, bye. I, did I say thank you enough times to Jason? Big thanks to Jason. Check out his stuff. And bye, guys. Love you. Mean it.